Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. It's always a, an honor to be able to share, and, uh, and I, I genuinely believe that God is doing something, something good and something new. And, um, and you know, of course, we've been through, the world's been through significant changes, and I think out of that, you see that something God is some, doing something in us as people and in us collectively as a church that is really exciting. And, um, and so tonight we've been working through the book of Acts and the book of Acts is one of my favorite books. It's, you know, it's the second half of the book, Luke, written by Luke. So it's Luke, Acts, two together. And it's this continuation of, of Jesus sort of his end of his ministry and then it's sort of what happened, the birth of the church. And we sit here very comfortably because of the work of these people, because of these people who heard the message of Jesus and then did something about it. And we actually sit here, like this is sort of part of our heritage, to be honest. Uh, and we get to sit here and then we get to read these words and these stories. And they're ancient, but they speak so much to us. And there's so much in it that is is rich and for today. So you join me, let's pray and then we can get into it. So Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for, thank you for your word. Thank you that you continue to speak to us through your word. 2,000 years later, Lord, there's so much here that you want for us today. So much that we can learn from, so much that you are speaking to us still prophetically. So much that we need to hear and Lord, may we have ears to hear and open hearts to be receptive to what you're doing tonight. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Do you have any enemies? Are they in the room? No. Do you have any enemies? Oh, I mean, I've, throughout my life, I've, I've never liked ever having enemies. It's just, you know, it's just not something that I, I've, some people seem to thrive on. You watch some people in sport and they thrive off having enemies. And if the crowd is against them, it, they actually play better. Latrell Mitchell. If you watch him play football, and when the crowd is booing him, he actually plays better. It's, a, it's phenomenal. I don't really like having enemies, but a few years ago, in 2010, Eva, my wife, we were living in Cambridge in the UK, and we were living with some friends, and we had this cool kind of townhouse. It was a, a group of four townhouses, this nice sort of gravel driveway, and we had a neighbor whose name was Christian, and, uh, and he wasn't. Uh, and he proved it to us in multiple ways. Um, and he was, you know, uh, he was a neighbor from hell. And he very quickly became, well, he, he just designated us as his enemies, I think just for existing. He wrote complaints to the landlords about birds in trees. Um, he complained that we had too many barbecues too early in the season uh, and would like have, have a go at us. And then it got really weird to the point where if we pulled up down the driveway, like he was, he was taking photos of us through the door. And uh, even at one point, like after I was at, you know, worship team, getting my guitar gear out, a friend was dropping me off and there's this massive flash. And it was like, he was getting evidence that I was coming home at 8 PM. And it was, uh, it was, it just got intense and more intense. And it was, and we're like, I don't know what else to do. Do I just stop existing? I don't think that's going to help. And uh, Autumn, this girl we live with, she, she's American. She's so lovely. She's like, I'm just going to kill him with kindness. Uh, I'm glad she didn't stop with kill him because that would have been a little scary. But 
And she would even send him flowers and do his lovely things. And he just hated us, like even more. Just, it was like, doesn't matter what you do, you're my enemy and I'm going to hate you for it. And we probably don't tend to have a whole lot of enemies. Sometimes you make an enemy because you did something stupid and you go, yeah, I kind of earned that. Sometimes you'd be on the road and you're just driving along and all of a sudden you realize someone's giving you daggers and maybe you cut someone off or maybe you were just driving. You don't know. Sometimes people just don't like us for different reasons. And I want to look at this story here because we look at Peter and John who had some serious enemies. They had earned themselves some proper enemies and probably more serious than, than you or I have ever experienced. And so we're going to look in the book of Acts chapter 4. If you've got your Bible, otherwise it's going to be up here. We're going to read a bit of scripture if that's cool and then we're going to sort of look at it. So from verse 18. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus because they obviously didn't like that. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who'd been lame for more than 40 years. Now, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And they actually pray this psalm. They say, um, after this, they, they quote a psalm uh, after praying. So they go, O oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying. Now, the cool thing, just side note, is people actually remembered scripture. They, they learnt it from a young age. And so they could quote the Psalms in their prayers. They'd be praying and then go, all right, let's just quote this together. So they said, why, did the, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, I love this, and now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. Another version says, consider their threats and give us your servants, give us together your servants boldness, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. How good is that? And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. I love this idea of hear their threats. It's saying consider the threat. They're praying to God and instead of saying, God, just, you know, do whatever. They're saying, no, no, God, can you consider the gravity of this? Consider the gravity of their threat. This is actually what they are throwing against us. This is, this is serious. Have you ever watched a parent in a supermarket have a standoff with a child? And you see the child consider the threat of the parent. Have you ever seen that? And it's like this death stare between them. And the kid just looks at the parent. And have you heard a parent who starts to escalate the threats? And you go, this is just getting worse and worse. And, and it's like the kid is just considering the threats and going, there's no way. There's no way you're going to do it. It's not going to happen. And then the parent just keeps escalating and it just gets furious until they start just dragging them by the foot out of coals. And 
And it's like this, this considering, it's like I consider the threat, but I'm not scared. I'm not scared at all. And, and I think often though, we, we can consider threats. And these disciples at this time, they were considering serious threats. So like, this is, this is not something to laugh about. This is, this is life and death. Because the, uh, the Sadducees actually didn't know how to punish them. But if they could, they would have done away with them pretty quickly. And so I love that it says, consider their threats. Consider, like, let's look at the gravity of what is on offer here if we keep going. And they could say, consider their threats and silence them. Consider their threats and shut them down. That's often how we like to pray, isn't it? Consider their threats and remove the obstacle. Don't be a helicopter parent. Just be a lawnmower parent. Just, just mow down everything in my way. But they don't say that. They actually say, consider the threats and give us your servants boldness. I actually think they're saying, consider the gravity of this and give us boldness to match how serious the threat is. The threat is like here, this level, so we need this level boldness. Not just remove the obstacles so that I can walk through nice and easy, but I want boldness to be able to match the threat, which is needed considering you know, if someone is, is after your life. And so it says, then they waited and prayed, and the Holy Spirit shook the room, which I love. Now, the context here is that because they were believers in Jesus the Messiah, they believed in Jesus who was resurrected from the dead, and this offended the Sadducees. They didn't like that. So whenever they're preaching, they're speaking in the name of a resurrected Christ. And that was really offensive, really, really offensive. So every time they're out preaching, and they're speaking this name of Jesus, and they're saying that he was raised from the dead, and everyone's getting more and more offended. But then they would do something crazy like heal someone. And they'd heal someone in the name of Jesus, which is even more offensive. But you can't deny seeing a man healed, can you? And so the Sadducees were sort of caught. So the context here is like, this is, this is really tense. It's, it's a very intense time. And so it makes me think though, who, who, who really are our enemies? Because if we think, Context-wise for them, they had these enemies in religious leaders who were, who were really after them. But, but for us in our context, persecution is pretty unlikely. Like if you list, look at lists of countries who are experiencing persecution, you've got Iran, uh, there's, there's a whole, China and, and North Korea, and there's, there's a whole list of countries that experience severe persecution. And maybe you've experienced a bit, like, and some of you may, may, may really have been treated poorly because of your faith, but generally not to this sort of level. Would you, would you agree? It's sort of not something that we, we often see. So, so then if we're to consider what the threat is to us, because there are threats to us, there's threats to the church, but for us, I don't think the threats often look like severe persecution. Now, I've realized after about 40 years that I burn pretty easily in the sun. It took me a while to learn it. Just many, many mistakes. And so now I try to be wise. I try and I, I didn't do so well today. But I realized that on a sunny day, a clear sunny day, I can see my enemy. I'm well aware. And I, I want to tan, but I know that the sun is intent on burning me. It just, it wants to roast me. And, you know, I, I have, you know, like, Ever she has, her, you know, she's Polish, so she just goes brown, and I'm like Irish or you know Scottish or something, and just go white I mean, and red basically, and 
but, but on a sunny day, I can see the sun and I know my enemy. And so I generally dress appropriately. I try and put on a hat and put on sunscreen and I'm aware of it. But the days I'm most likely to get burnt are overcast days because I can't see the enemy. And if it's a cool overcast day and there's a bit of a breeze, generally I think I'm totally fine. And I go about my day and I go, there's no threat to consider. I'm cool. And I just go about my day. And then all of a sudden I realize I'm really dehydrated. I'm like roasted red and I feel horrible. In fact, one day I remember I was at uni and doing some like laboring work for my uncle and it was horrible and I had to dig. He's just like, he'd just go walk into a place and just like think of all the worst jobs that he'd give me. And one day it's like dig some trenches over there in that clay. And um, so I'm there just attempting it on this like 40 something degree day, but it was an overcast day. And I remember after a while, like I just took my shirt off and I'm just there shoveling, no hat, nothing. And you know, have you ever had those, that sort of sunburn level where you're like, I think this might be it. I'm, I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, and it's like horrific. Not like mum, she said in the 60s, they used to put coconut oil on themselves. Uh, so we didn't do anything that crazy. But, but on those days, I can't see my enemy. And so I don't consider it a threat. Generally, I think, oh, it's, it's like it's shaded. The sun has shaded my, I mean, the clouds have shaded my enemy and I'm all good. And it's generally the opposite. The clouds have just filtered the UV rays directly at my white skin. And I roast. And I feel like when we look at Peter and John here, they could see their enemy really clearly. It was right in front of their face. They're threatening them to their face, saying, we actually want you gone. We don't like you. I feel like for us, we tend to not have enemies like that. And where they have an enemy that is right in their face, we can sometimes look for enemies. And sometimes we think, you know, enemies might be the media or, and, and that can be harmful. And, and you know, in the 80s, everyone, there was a, a phase of, you know, satanic panic and everything was Satanism. It's, it's everywhere. And we can be looking for these enemies. But I would say for us at the moment, some of our greatest enemies actually aren't that obvious. They're a bit like the sun on an overcast day. And I, I think that some of our enemies as the church, as, as followers of Jesus, intent on following in the way of Jesus, some of our enemies actually look like comfort and distraction and hurry and security or the illusion of security. And I think for us, when we look, if you are to consider what is threatening your spiritual life, it's probably not an over-the-top aggressive persecutor. It's probably the fact that you feel comfortable and you don't realize what you need. It's the fact that you're distracted, that life is so busy, you're so hurried. Dallas Willard said that the great enemy of the spiritual life is hurry. But you're hurried, we're running from thing to thing. And I get up in the morning and by the time I get up and get the boys ready and, and try and shovel down some breakfast and it's chaos and I go, oh, I, um, God bless my day, you know, I, I take off and, or I just, you know, we can just be oblivious and we charge through the day and then there's things going on and we have social lives and we have families and we have, you know, uni work and we have, there's so many things going on and, and it's not necessarily bad, but it can distract us from what's actually most important and it can take our eyes off the thing that we were intent on following. I, I think if you think security, when we start to be secure, we go, well, I don't need anything else. Especially if you become financially secure, it's, it's very easy just to be comfortable and just forget about what you need. 
We can be comfortable. And I'm just enjoying, you know, my years of labor and now I'm just, just kicking back. And, I, and we actually don't have this threat of an enemy coming to kill us, but just to make us blah, nothing, just, you know, just kind of doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I follow Jesus kind of and nothing really happened. And I read about some cool stories. I read about the room shaking. That sounded cool. And, and I would say that God wants more for us than that. He actually wants a church that isn't just mundane and just settled, but a church that is bold and is full of life. A church that goes, actually, I've considered the threats. I'm aware of what would target my spiritual life. And I actually want to do something about it. I want to be a man or a woman after God's heart who actually follows in the way of Jesus and considers the threats to my own spiritual life and says, actually, I want to do something about that. I don't want that to, to, to hold me back from what God would have for me. Because I think some of these things, they might not kill you, but they'll just dampen the fire. They'll just slow you down. They might not silence you directly, but over time you go, I couldn't be bothered. Have you heard like, there's this term mission drift. And, um, and if you think, um, if, if Damon and I are running along together, and uh, yeah, sorry to use you. And, um, and over time, not me because I'm directly on course, but Damon just moves one degree to the left. And to begin with, it still looks like we're kind of running together. But if you follow that course after a while, he ends up all the way over here. And of course, I'm, you know, no. Like, but it's, it's, I think it's the little things. It's not the big threats. It's not the big threats. It's, it's the little things. If you look at any relationship breakdown, generally it's, it's the little things that happen over time, like friendships or romantic relationships or whatever. Often it's, it's little things over time that start to send you in different directions. And so it's so important for us because uh, this, this line here, it says, oh Lord, hear their threats. And I believe God is saying, I want you to be someone who hears the threat. Like he's actually aware of what's threatening your spiritual life. Not immune to it, not like, you know, not sort of just switched off from it, but aware of what it is. You go, actually, I am aware of what it is that would target my spiritual life. I'm aware, I'm actually aware of what it is. And not to say, God, would you just bulldoze or move it out of the way, but would you give me the appropriate level boldness to match this threat? Would you give me the boldness to see what it is that's threatening my spiritual life so I can be bold and do something about it? And that's what God is actually calling each of us to do. Because for each of you, it'll be something different. For me, it's, it's probably something different than, like, there's, there could be, you know, we could probably even sit in groups and go, yeah, actually, we've got similar areas. But each of us knows there's, there's an area you go, if you pause, you go, I know, I know what it is that would threaten my spiritual life. Or maybe you actually need to pause and consider, do I, do I know what it is that would threaten my spiritual life? If you've watched any Netflix lately, it's really easy just to, to roll from thing to thing. And, and even with, with threats to our spiritual life, sometimes we can say things like we don't have time. Do you know that um, you, know, you can watch a few episodes, it takes a couple of hours, it takes 2.25 hours to read Acts, the book of Acts. And if you get 2.25 hours, that's, that's far too much. Romans will take you an hour. And Galatians will take you 20 minutes. And 2 John will take you four minutes. Actually, two minutes. Jude will take you four minutes. 
And so sometimes we can look at threats and things and we can just, like it's almost like we get things out of whack and we, we sort of see threats that are different and you go, actually, I can spend two minutes reading two John. Actually, three John is also two minutes. That's it. You can read a whole book of the Bible, a whole one in two minutes. There's others that take a bit longer. But when we consider threats, you go, actually, the threat of opening my Bible and actually reading a part of the Bible, actually, it, it isn't, isn't that hard. I actually just get things a little bit out of, out of you know, out of, character, out, out, out of whack. So then they go and they say this, give us your servants, give us your servants boldness. Now, I love this because they're saying, give us your servants. Not just give me your servant, but give us. There's a, a collective we there. It's, it's us as a group sitting together as Christians, not going, just give me because it's all about me, but give us your servants. Um, you'll find that often we like to think that we're the main character in the story. And I, I was at this gig the other night in Sydney and it was amazing, but I was actually watching everyone with their phones and taking selfies and going, you all think you're the main character in this story. The main character is the guy up on stage with the guitar who wrote all these songs, who's there going, a guy from, you know, Newcastle and north of England who's going, how did I fill the Enmore Theatre? And all these people know every word to my song. And I was thinking, he's actually the main character, but we're all there going, no, this is my moment. We're so, so often so self-centered going, this is, this is about me. And here it says, not give me boldness, but give us. Give us together boldness to preach your word. And when they're saying preach, I actually think it's with your life. They're preaching on street corners. For us, I think the best way of communicating the gospel is with your life. Like show it. And then when people ask, you have an opportunity to tell them. But generally they'll ask if they've seen it. And Jesus said they'll know us by our love, not by our words. And he said they'll know us by our love, not by our opinions but by our love. And if people see love in you, see the gospel lived out in you, they're more likely to say, why is it that you're a person of peace? Why is it that you are forgiving those people who are horrible to you? And we preach with our lives. And so then we say, God, give us boldness to live for you, to love people, to forgive others, to live in the way of Jesus, regardless of the threat whatever the threat is. And this concept I've had really on my mind for a while is the idea of the lordship of Jesus. And I believe that here in this example here, you see the church centered around the lordship of Jesus. Now, by this, I mean you have Jesus as Lord and together, everyone is centered together, worshiping him. Now, currently in Iran, Iran is probably the fastest growing church in the world. Major Muslim country, but fastest growing church. People coming to Christ, like in large, large numbers. And the key reason is because of the Lordship of Christ. They come to this revelation that Christ, Jesus, is not just the healing prophet because they believe. Muslims believe that Jesus is the healing prophet. And so they're, they're kind of partway, you know, they'll go, yeah, well, I can meet you there. But they see him as a signpost and not as the answer. They're like, we, you got some parts right, but not the whole thing right. And for Muslim people, when they come to this understanding of Jesus as, as Lord, actually over everything, as a forgiving, loving, grace-filled father, that's actually the thing that draws them to him. 
It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so it's just given me this vision of the church. And I've been sitting and praying about this for, for the last few months, just imagining the church together. You go, everyone together centered around the Lordship of Christ. That we're not tribalized by opinions or attitudes or offenses or like we, we can be so tribalized, but we go, no, no, together we're bold, centered around the Lordship of Christ. That's actually the Lordship of Christ that centers and unites us. And that actually takes me not making it all about me, not thinking that the whole story is me as the lead character, but actually going, no, no, Jesus is the main character. Now I'm actually part of his story. And I want to be part, like, I want to be part of that because it's a good story. But it actually takes me humbling my opinions and my preferences and, and my offenses to other people and going, no, I am going to be part of the body of Christ centered under the Lordship of Christ. And when we do that, I believe there's a collective boldness. There's a collective boldness. You go, actually, you know, and God will give, he gives us that boldness. You're not running your own race on your own. You're actually running together with your family here. We often sit kind of separately and sometimes I go, why can't we all just, just sit together? We're like, we're a big family. We, we are. But we're actually bolder when we're together. There's, there's this, I believe that God gives us, when, when, like, where there's unity, he commands a blessing. Where there's disunity, I believe the blessing goes running out the door. And it's us actually going, no, no, I surrender myself and my opinions and my offenses and, and all that. And I surrender to the Lordship of Christ. And so they say, give us boldness, unite us in heart and mind. And we're centered around Jesus. We've considered the threats. We've become aware. And, but then it, as we are aware of our threats, I believe God also wants us to be aware of his presence, which I believe is actually one of the greatest enemies to our spiritual life, the lack of awareness of his presence. When we get distracted or when we get too secure or we're too comfortable, we actually become less aware of his presence in our life. And so we go about our day just doing life, not considering that God is at work in the people around you, that God is at work in your work or in your family. God's at work when you're at the shops. He's always working in you and around you and in the people around you too. And asking God to make us more aware of him. And so I, I believe that um, there's something beautiful about sitting and waiting. And, and I heard this recently that, that often we sit and we wait and we wait for revelation. And I remember hearing someone years ago say, oh, I, I don't start my day until I get a revelation from God. I was like, well, what if you don't get a revelation from God? I'm like, well, no, I just sit and wait. I sit and wait. And I, was, I was thinking, some days I wouldn't get started because I don't get a brand new revelation every day. Like when revelation comes, it's beautiful. It's, it's empowering. But I don't believe that sitting and waiting for God is about revelation. Sitting and waiting for God is about consent, that I consent to the work of the Spirit in my life. I'm consenting to his work. I'm sitting and saying, God, I consent to you working in me. I can't do this for anyone else, but I, I consent to you, Holy Spirit, working in me today, making me bold, making me more like you. I, I, it's like the Holy Spirit actually give you my consent that you would work in my life. 
And I believe that as we do that, as you, each of us say, yeah, yeah, I, I consent to Jesus working in my life, that he gives, he gives us boldness because we become, become more aware of his presence in our lives. And so what I want to do is give you a minute, just to like an actual minute, just to sit in silence and, and just sit before God, not asking for revelation, but saying, Jesus, I want to be bold. I consent to your spirit's work in my life today. In, uh, in Joshua 1.9, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is, God is with you. His spirit is here with you. His presence is here with us. And we can be distracted and unaware of him. So will you just take a minute with me? And together, as, as a church, we're just going to sit. I'm just going to just wait here just for a minute. And just, you might just like to pray. If your mind wanders, that's okay. You're no less spiritual. Just, just gently bring your mind back and just go, just focused on you, God. So let's just have a moment. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.